The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling, here in Las Vegas, Nevada, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how are you doing today? Looks like you got a little uh, bit of the yawns going on. Yeah, you know, it's always that early wake up. I, I can't sleep that much. And I wake up 7.30, 8 o'clock. You know, I'm old now. You know, I got to get that nap in. But, you know, 11's too early. So maybe at 2 or 3. But I only nap for like 20, 30 minutes. And then I'm yeah. usually good for the rest of the day. But, you know, it's been a busy day. You know, I was, I've been on the horn with the uh, the venue in Atlantic City, you know, handling, you know, my family business. Uh, talk to my boy from New York. You know, he's he's got my mom's car sold for me. I got to had to fill out some paperwork on that. You know, I was taking that as a wash. So getting a few grand's great. Yeah. Um, when you talk about the potential of, uh, you know, talking to the venue and setting stuff up for Atlantic City, um, what are you looking at in terms of uh, where you can run? Uh, how many days are you thinking? Are you still thinking of doing like, you know, Atlantic City, New York, Philadelphia, that kind of uh, like a three day thing? What have you been talking about? What are your plans or ideas for plans? Well, uh... The number one plan is is getting a partner that we can work with, and we've already discussed it with GCW. You know, right. it's Atlantic City. It's going to be the showboat. It's the venue GCW runs. Okay. So, you know, hopefully we can match up dates. We're talking this summer, so it could be June, June or July, most likely, possibly in August. But the idea is putting together a whether it's a double header, you know, a Friday, Saturday, a, a two show Saturday, a FSW GCW show that really hasn't even been discussed yet. But the idea is to bring in the marquee names that regardless of where you're from, where you're located, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have the Mecca grand champion killer cross. We got Chris Bay as FSW mainstays. So if they're involved with, you know, as I had jokingly said, hey, you know, I'd love to see Cross versus Matt Cardona, you know, yeah. in Atlantic City. Whether GCW was involved or not, as long as we were able to promote that match, that, that match is a big deal, you yeah. know, uh, on the independent level. You know, Chris Bay working, you know, pretty much anybody on the East Coast. Obviously, we'd have to be limited to the roster of FSW flying in, you know, as right. good as some of our guys are, you know, financially, it's not affordable to fly those guys in 
and utilize them on a show when there's guys as good on the East Coast because especially on the first show, nobody's paying us. We, you know, we got to go yeah. out there and we got to run the show. You know, it, am I expecting Funny Bone to go buy a flight to come to Atlantic City to wrestle for me? You know what I mean? For right. a, a quarter of what his flight's going to be? Right. Of course, that's not going to happen. You, you know what I mean? And hopefully we can set some stuff up and we give these guys a lot of advance. So now a funny bone, even a Matt Vandegrift who might be in Orlando or Remy Marcel or Cody or Jake, you know, the mainstays, you know, those guys can now maybe get themselves some bookings on that right. East Coast wing. You know, we right. do, you know, they get booked, they come in Friday, they get a show Friday night in Philly. They work our show Saturday in Atlantic City and then they go, you know, New York, New Jersey, you know, on, on that border for a Sunday show. And then they fly home Monday, you know, yeah. to where now, you know, it becomes worth it for them, you know, and we do a split on the flight and I'll kick in some money and everybody, you know, will be excited about the opportunity. It's like running WrestleMania, all right. those guys, because they have numerous shows that they could possibly get on. Somehow we were mistakenly put on because we had talked about doing it and it didn't work out, but I've been hit up by 20 people that I have no idea who they are. Hey, I heard you're running mania week. And I'm like, the fuck are you talking about? And one guy finally asked and they showed the screenshot and they had a list of all the events. And what was funny was ours was the only one that didn't have a venue or a time. Oh no, it didn't have a time. It said like eight o'clock on Friday night. And ours had a question mark when it came to where the show was at. And it was like, no, we're not, we're not running. You know, Adam Brooks hit me up, you know, wow. he was going to be in town, you know, and it was like, you know, he wants to be working in Vegas. And I just checked because I know somebody was trying to get him out here. And at the last Mecca event in March of 2020, he had just gotten signed by ring of honor. So Right. We had to do a flight split because he was going to work the Mecca. And I checked. And amazingly enough, a flight I bought in March of 2020 is still valid till September of 2022. So, yeah. you know, either way, there's a good chance you're going to see an Adam Brooks in FSW. And again, whether it's at that show or out here, you know, who knows? You know, we've made yeah. really good relationships with a lot of good people. So, you know, on the East Coast, there's guys that we'd love to use that affordability wise, like a Casey Navarro, for example, who we've used twice to come out to the West Coast. He's, you know, he's boys with Brian Cage. So, yeah. you know, he covered, you know, a little bit and got out there and it was uh, Cage's birthday weekend when we did the Mecca. So... You know, they hung out and partied all weekend and Casey Navarro basically got most of his trip paid for to come right. out and see his buddy that odds are he might have came out anyway. You, you right. know what I mean? So, you know, if we can do that and, and help out and get some of our core guys, kind of like the GCW thing, you know, yeah. Jimmy Lloyd was not a household name until GCW made him one and Effie and. Nick Gage, you know, we knew Nick Gage. We used him with Teddy Hart years ago, but, and he was in GCW, 
but GCW was not as big three or four years ago as, as it is now. Now it's the pinnacle. Now it's, you know, you, you talk wrestling, you're talking WWE, AEW in the top tier, and GCW has really become, as we've said many times, they're, they're the top of that, that, that next tier uh, of yeah. company. And, you know, we'd love to be talked about in a second tier company at any time. You know, we have we have we have a we have a brand name. We have great talent. We have quality guys who come out of our school. But the one thing we've never really done in the last seven years is travel. And, you know, we did a little in Arizona and stuff, but. If we can get our feet wet next year, WrestleMania, maybe go back to Phoenix, do some stuff. You know, there's a lot of partners, you know, we're yeah. Memorial Day weekend here. Kind of a kink in the thing with the uh, AEW running Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. But, you know, we're in talks with Booker T and reality of wrestling and uh, WAC, which is out of California. Right. And you know, best of the West. And, you know, we talked with the five, their schedule is kind of booked up, but even, uh, you know, a West coast pro, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a prestige, whoever it is, the idea is to, to continually work with these guys and expand the brand. You know, right. if we do a show with a company in Texas, a company in, in uh, Chicago, like an AAW or warrior, or a Defy and Prestige up in the Northwest or a California. Now maybe some of those guys, because all of those guys use FSW people. Now right. some use a lot, some use a little, but a bay across, you know, the WAC tag champs are death proof, you know, an AAW or Warrior, you know, there's guys that they use that we utilize. And, you know, funny bones all over the place. So, you know, Vandegrift, Damian Drake, you know, who's to say we don't do something with L.A. fights, you know, except the fact that 80 percent of the roster is guys we use on a a regular basis. You know, you look at that team F team L.A. fights this past weekend was, you know, Jay Vidal, Sandra Moon, two of our champions, you know, and they all work those shows and then you got the Vandegrifts and the Damian Drakes and, and a lot of those guys Tito Escondido's you know a mainstay yep. on that show you know a guy we'd love to get back in the mix Bateman you know he's back yeah. on the you know he's on the west coast and he's always been a super easy guy to deal with you yeah. know and you know the game plan is you know trying to figure out something for him so we can bring them in, you know, in a good situation for everybody. Yeah. No, it's it's exciting to hear. Um, when you think about Memorial Day weekend, you talked a little bit about it. Um, since that, that three-day split schedule they got going on like that, um, you assume that people are probably going to start getting into town. Uh, probably Monday or Tuesday and go to the show on Wednesday. Does that, um, does that mean that on Wednesday, because then you'd have Thursday, Friday 
and Saturday to uh, to run shows. Essentially, on Wednesday, would you send people down to um, to Mandalay Bay to kind of uh, hand out flyers and get the words? Is is that kind of the old school method in um, you know carnival barking to get people to come to the show? Is that going to come into play this time? That has been, you know, the number one thing in the history of FSW that's gotten people there. It's yeah. having flyers at the WWE events and WCW back in the day. And I don't even know if we were around, probably not for WCW, but it was always the WWE. It was the Ring of Honor shows yeah. where we were helping out. So Impact, where we were in the building handing out flyers and talking about the shows. You know, there's a big difference with the WWE fan base and the AEW fan base and the Ring of Honor fan base. You know, they use a lot of independent wrestlers. So having a show that may have a Brian Cage, a Keith Lee, a Killer Cross, you know, I was talking on my radio show and we were talking about, you know, the control your narrative and that alone, you know, you can have another entire promotion that might have the best roster in wrestling with guys that are not signed to national contracts. Cesaro's available. Jeff Hardy's available. You got Cross. You got Strowman. You got EC3. I saw Aries as part of the narrative. Cardona, you know, Brian Myers, you know, Kurt Hawkins. There's a who's who in the wrestling business. Kenny King, you know, he, you know, he's with Impact, but we know that that company gives you a lot of leeway onto where you're working. AEW, a lot less, and WWE, none whatsoever. But I can pick up the phone and I can get Jonathan Gresham on my show next week. And he's the Ring of Honor, technically their champion, as is Bandito, who I can call or a Sam Adonis, or a Psycho Clown, and the AAA guys, and working with Conan. There's so much talent available. So the goal is, Wednesday, got to hand out flyers. Because we've learned, when you have a flyer, John Morris is now available. Ty is available. So there, there is an option for a Thursday show. Because right. between Wednesday and Friday, if you're going Wednesday, and you're sticking around till Sunday, well, what are you going to do on Thursday? Friday, not going to do a show Friday, you know, unless we did a midnight show, which if somebody wants to put that together with us, you know, that's a possibility. So for FSW to do a big show, it's going to be difficult because Saturday night, well, I'm not at liberty to say Saturday night's booked and we're in, you know, we deal with the companies and all this other stuff. So. We've, we've, you know, we've gotten a commitment from Booker T. Nothing's in stone. They're interested. We got to put everything together. You know, WAC, they're in if we can come up with something. Best of the West is in if we come up with something. But the thing is, we're doing one less show. So we're not sure. We had talked about, you know, Friday night being either the anniversary or the Mecca show. So the anniversary is going to get pushed back till three weeks later in June, without a doubt, because we we just don't have the time to yeah. do things. Because on Saturday, uh, with another show going on, uh, we also got our guy Ed in San Antonio. He likes doing the women's shows. So right. he's going to do like a 12 o'clock Saturday show. 
Okay. So that gives us the window of, say, four o'clock on a Saturday, which is a good time to run a show till six or seven. And then the other company will run for, at eight or nine. So Sunday's the pay per view, you know, East Coast time, eight o'clock. Probably the pay per view starts, which makes it five o'clock on the West Coast. Kind of maybe one o'clock, but not really. You you know what I mean? So it makes it difficult. Are we going to do a Sunday night show at 10? Yeah, people are probably leaving. So our window of opportunity for an FSW show is Thursday night or Saturday afternoon. You know, that's all we have room for for us. So, you know, we're okay with 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 being the guys who people come to to have the shows and and you know we help out we rent the ring we do this but we still need to be a major part of what's going on that weekend so you know a Thursday night show is a possibility at the school and then maybe the Saturday we do an all day thing with the other company with Ed and we do three shows hopefully at a place like the Silver Nugget yeah yeah, it's going to be uh, fun to see. I think the idea, um, and, and you kind of touched on the fandom being, you know, different in AEW versus the WWE fans, and it gives an opportunity to um, to open up some eyes, especially, I think that's really a good thing that that Wednesday could be used for that uh, the selling of the shows that are coming up in the weekend. And so could Friday, you know, Friday's rampage, right. You know, there's people that aren't going to come in till Friday afternoon. Right. And they're just going to come in for the weekend. So we got to make sure there's flyers out on Friday evening show. That way they can come out. And what are they going to do on Saturday? You know what I mean? All the pay-per-views on Sunday. Well, they're going to come to a good wrestling show. You know, if there's a show, with Davey Richards and Killer Cross and Chris Bay and Brian Cage, they're not going to be like, oh, I better save my money to buy the AEW tickets. They have the money. They're buying the tickets. It's just like SummerSlam weekend. You know, we saw GCW pack the house. FSW versus GCW pack the house. Nobody was like, oh, overkill, too many wrestling shows, because you're getting to see so much different talent. Right. You know? You go to see your W and that's with WWE fans. So, right. you know, and it was a big difference with the ring of honor. When we would do the Mecca, we, we found out for the very first time, because it was the first time we've ever done it. We ran a Mecca show without anybody else running that weekend. Right. We stood alone with cross and saw through Twitter, people driving in from California, people, Guy we know, he comes to somebody, he loves our stuff. He flies himself in a couple times a year from Florida. I think his name's Brian or Bob. And, you know, people driving in from Arizona. So eight years ago, people weren't doing that. My guy Paul in Utah, who who I met at the Ring of Honor show, was like, yeah, I don't go to Ring of Honor anymore. This was a couple years ago. We just want to come in for your Mecca show. And because they they know from the top of the card to the bottom of the card, every match is going to be potentially the match of the night. Right. You know, we joke on the Mecca and I, I talk about it. 
But when guys like Remy Marcel and Damian Drake and, and Death Proof are undercard matches, you know, yeah. you, you can't get better than that. You yeah. know, Remy Marcel and Willie Mack was the opener, you know, and yeah. it's like, well, that that's a great match anywhere. You know, unfortunately, a lot of people may not know who Remy Marcel is outside the the FSW realm, but hopefully we can help change that. You know, Brad Reeder, who who always supports everything FSW does, you know, he's you know, he'll be the first guy to buy the pay-per-view, even if it's released a month before the, <laughs> the pay-per-view date. You know, Brad posts a screenshot on Twitter. You have purchased FSW. Yet the show is three and a half weeks away, yeah. you know, and it's fans like that, you know, funny story. You know, I always have the ups and downs of being the boss of people motherfucking you. You're a piece of shit. Oh, why aren't I booked? Blah, 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 blah. To the other side where, oh, you know, when a Brian Cage says, you know, you're my best. You're my favorite promoter who's paid me the least in this business, you know, and was with the wife. We were in Home Depot and a guy who I see on Facebook a lot he used to come to our shows at Boulder Highway. And he came over and basically in front of the wife, he was like, Joe. And I looked over and I know who he is. His name's Bobby. And he was like, oh, man, I just want to thank you for everything. You know, we first started coming to the FSW shows at Boulder Highway. My kid was six years old. And just so you know, you know, you are a hero to me because of everything I did with my kid. And he was so appreciative of what we did. He goes, yeah, we, you know, we stopped going when he turned 15 or 16, how it usually is in the wrestling world. Kids, they drift out of it. And then a lot of times they'll drift back in. And I know I was the same way in that 16, 17 range, but it was just like nice to hear. And he's like, pinpointing on everything i know you probably hear a lot of shit from other people and having to deal with all that stuff and you've been doing it for so long and i just want to say thank you and it's like wow it's nice to hear that sometimes it's like you know you think you do really well you think hey you know what i got a legacy i really brought back vegas wrestling that's a fact. I, I you know, right. it's not an ego. It's not anything. There was no, there wasn't a live wrestling show from a local company in probably 10 years when we first started in 2009, you know, to where we are in 2022 is crazy to me. You know what yeah. I mean? The people I've met, the people I've become friendly with, you know, the lifelong relationships that are meant, you know, that have been met, you know what I mean? And it just sometimes drains you from having to deal with it. Cause I always call myself, I'm basically the principal of a fucking high school. You got to deal with all the complaints and the whining and this guy and that guy and fights amongst the, the, the workers themselves over certain things and, and having to deal with the kids and the dues. And it's like, they don't pay you enough to do that shit. It's like, I never wanted to have the school. And again, the school has been a huge benefit, regardless of whether it made money or didn't, because we actually were able to now build on our brand because we're the ones who train Chris Bay. We're the ones who train Crocs. We really enhanced Lacey Ryan. You know what I mean? We trained Sefa Fatu, you know, 
we've trained Damian Drake and Vandergriff had some of his training at Santino's, but he really excelled, you know, when, when he came into FSW. And Jay there's a lot Jay of Vidal. what's another that? Great. Jay Vidal, another great Jay Vidal. You know, these are guys that are on the cusp of doing huge things in the business, and they walk around with the FSW banner, you know. And a lot of times people feel, you know, I see it and I, I'll admit it hundred percent. Yeah, it bothers me when I see people talking shit and it's like, oh, what I don't do and how I treat these guys better than those guys, and it's like you know what? Unfortunately, everybody needs to be treated differently. And unfortunately, there's people that deserve to be treated better than others. I try to be fair with everybody, but there's guys that I will go, I will go to war with. I'll pick up a phone and I'll call D'Lo for impact or I'll talk to Davari about a certain guy since he's working in WWE. Uh, when I talk to Steve Carino and he's asking me about a Hammerstone, I'm going to give him, you know, a thousand percent opinion while he also asked me about somebody else who was at the tryout. And I did not say or vouch for that person because I didn't feel comfortable doing it. Yeah. And, but I told him Hammerstone would be phenomenal. And when Sanjay Dutt was here with the impact stuff. So I've helped a lot of guys that I don't go around saying, oh, you know, that time I called Matt Hardy, you know, when I called up Matt, he did actually respond about trying to get our guys on AEW Dark. And he told me where to go. And Cutie Marshall was in charge of that at the time. And I took eight or 10 of our, our regulars that I believed would be able to excel and not the guys that aren't ready. I'm not just going to throw everybody out there. You know, right. I threw our mainstays, guys that have helped us from the beginning, guys who've helped us throughout time that have put in the work and the effort. Yeah, fucking A right. They're going to get uh, a little extra. I'm going to go out of my way for people. And right. I'm always willing to go out of my way for people if they're deserving of it. And I've gone out of my way for hundreds you know, and then yeah. sometimes, unfortunately, others feel that they were deserving of something and I didn't push for them to get that. And animosity lies. And it's like, you know, you can't make everybody happy in this business. Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to be the champ, regardless if they understand what you're explaining to them. They may, yeah. they may see where you're coming from, but that doesn't mean they like it. They yeah. feel they're here. I feel they're, they're here. And in my company, you're going to be here, regardless right. of how you feel you're here. Have I been wrong? Yeah, I've been wrong. But I'm right more times than I'm wrong. So I'm, I'm willing to go, you know, I'll die. Remy, would, Remy always says, you know, hey, that's not a hill to die on, you know, and he'll bring up a point or he'll bring up somebody and there'll be a situation with somebody. And, you know, on one hand, you know, Remy kind of tries to pick and choose his battles. Yeah. You know, Cody's a little more emotional. You know, it's 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 interesting having to deal with Cody a lot. You know what I mean? Because he's very, very passionate. Yeah. And we get along fine. And we, I'll yell with Remy. I'll yell with Cody. There's plenty of guys I'll yell with. But the one thing that these guys know is 
If they come into my office, I will talk to them and I will explain to them why. And in reality, I don't fucking need to. Most of right. these companies, this is what you're fucking booked for. This is what you're going to fucking do. If you don't want to do it, there's the fucking door. See you later. Yeah. I try to appease, make people happy, you know, try to add guys on the cards, doing the pre-shows and whatever. And, you know, after 12 years of it, it's it's really, it really gets draining. So you need a day when a guy tells you, man, what you've done in Vegas is, is amazing. Or, hey, we're in Atlantic City. We know about your company. You know, we'd love to have you maybe try to do something. And maybe we can make this a three or four time a year thing. You know, yeah. that that re, you know, revigorates you. You know what I mean? It makes you yeah. give a shit. Because there are times you're just like, you know what? Fuck. Like, hey, Joey and Remy, why don't you just go fucking handle Future Shock? I'll, I'd, rather, I'd rather go lose money on my hot roll machine. You know what I mean? It's like. <laughs> at least I'm enjoying myself thinking that I have a shot. You know, when you come here and yeah. you do it, it's like, you know, when a guy like Jordan Cruz, you know, you hit him up and it's like utter disappointment if he can't make our show because he was booked. And that's me asking him on Thursday for a Saturday show because the spot came up. Yeah, You know what I mean? It's like there's these guys and that's what the local guys don't get, that the out of town guys understand what fsw offers but because and again i'm not going to blame them but because you are there all the time and you're there and you see me and you talk to me and you train with us you know and you get put on things you think that's the norm right you know and it's not the norm you know no offense but if i never booked you it's going to be hard to go get bookings somewhere well, I work for FSW. Well, FSW has a really good reputation. So if FSW is using you, yeah, you must be pretty good. Because I'm going to assume, and I may not, I may be wrong, but as a promoter, when, for example, Hammerstone and Gallo and Dom hit me up and say, hey, there's this guy named Class, and he's going to hit you up. You know, I just want to highly recommend him. I don't need to go look at footage. Right. I am going to use him. It's called a new talent initiative. He's new talent. He wants to work. He's gotten a glowing report from a guy I consider the the greatest champion in FSW history in Hammerstone. Right. So if Hammerstone tells me and he's going to put his rep on the line, I'm not looking at stuff. Because if I had looked at stuff, I would never leave the house. I get a million things from people. Hey, I've been working for a year. Well, pretty much unless you're a fucking, you know, a Chris Bay, I'm not going to use you. You're probably nowhere near ready for what we're looking for. I'll have a student. I'm not going to bring in, you know, as as people, well, why do you bring in that guy? Why are you bringing in those guys? Because they're better than you. It's time for me to retire when I have a low end guy. And I bring in guys that are worse than him because that will never happen. The guys who should be the worst, which again, you're saying the worst, you you understand what I'm saying. They're the worst on the roster because they're not really on the roster. They're students who it takes time and experience to get better. How do you get experience if I don't put you on any shows? 
you know, Jacob Austin Young and Greg Romero started together as Gorgeous and Young on a, you know, pre-show matches all over. They were the kings of the pre-show. But they ended up progressing. Now, if they weren't on those six shows over that first year, how would they react to when they finally did get on the show? How much longer would it take for them to become relevant? You know what I mean? It's like by the time those guys were, you know, battling for rookie of the year, you know, they probably had 50 matches and probably 48 of them were in FSW. You know what I mean? You know, not that many, but you know, if you're going to, if you're going to work 15 times or 20 times in a month, I mean, in the year, you, you know what I mean? And it's like, understanding that like go out there get booked you know use your knowledge become friendly it's how you act it's it's like some of the guys with attitude problems i'm like bro do you understand that i am not as a wrestler gonna have a show go to a show in arizona and bring you with me and recommend you when you're a fucking hothead when you are an explosive personality that you may go off on the fucking booker because he's booking you. Cause in a lot of cases, when those guys go over there, their guys aren't as good as our guys. Our right. younger guys are better than their, some of the, a lot of their main guys, yeah. but you're going to go over there and you are going to be humbled quickly. You're going to lose and you're going to lose and you're going to lose. There's going to be no storylines. You're just putting random matches to lose. But that's how you get experience. You know, we are a totally different entity. You know, we're working storylines. And even with the Bodies of the world who are 14 years old and the Brett the Threats and the Nick Xanders, I'm pretty sure I've seen Bodie working a lot of shows recently, you know, in Vegas, in Utah. He's just put in random matches because that's what they brought him in for because he's this 14-year-old prodigy kid that everybody wants to say, hey, look, I got this 14-year-old kid that I'm going to bring in. And, you know, he's like, he's the new Nick Wayne, basically. You you know what I mean? But he's only 14. So in two years, but right now he comes in and he'll go to Utah and wrestle a guy who's probably been doing it five years that he's better than. And, of course, he's going to put him over because they're the local guy. And there's no story. He's just going to come in and he's going to lose to a person. You know, and I'm up and down with that. You know, in some cases, yeah, I get it. You know, the experience. But again, when you're also working somebody, if you're 14 and you're working guys who aren't better than you, how does it help you? And that's what I always try to encourage. I don't care where you work, who you work for, people I like, people I don't like. I don't give a fuck, you know, but try to make sure what you're doing is benefiting you and making you better, you know. I get it when you're a student and you normally don't get paid. Hey, somebody wants to give you 20 bucks. Big fucking deal. You right. know, once you get, when you get dropped on your head, you ain't going to do much with that fucking $20 bill. <laughs> um, is that what you would consider almost the, the line between uh, people who understand that they are here to be a professional wrestler, that this is going to be their career that they're going to watch, learn, listen, um, you know, do everything they can because they're passionate about it, because they want to be a pro wrestler, as opposed to those guys who just want to, quote unquote, be wrestlers. 
and are happy with, uh, you know, either local wrestling, you know, just within the company or within the city, um, having that little rub of fame where they're not under the pressure of knowing that this is my career, that if I don't make money doing this, I got to keep doing this with my shoot job. Does that kind of just draw that line? And can you see that when a person is more into it for either their own self-interest or fun versus trying to reach, you know, the point where you're making enough money to say, yeah, I pay all my bills because of wrestling. Facebook has changed the way of life for wrestling. In some ways, it's fucking great. And in, mo in a lot of ways, it's the fucking drizzling shits. You know, there's nothing more amusing than seeing guys posting that don't get paid to wrestle. They wrestle once in a blue moon and they want to consider themselves professional wrestlers. Yeah. You know, in most cases, you're not a professional wrestler unless you're getting paid to be a professional wrestler and you don't have to work. I met Brian Cage. He worked for a living. As he progressed, he didn't work anymore for a living other than professional wrestling. Yeah. And that was before he signed with AEW. That was when, you know, maybe the Lucha Underground time. Yeah. He grinded it out for 10 years, 8 years, got developmental when we first met him. He was out of developmental when we first used Brian Cage in 2009. Being in developmental didn't mean shit. Brian Cage still worked for pretty much fucking pennies yeah. and drove from Fresno for 75 bucks. That was his fee. Yeah. Gas was probably 50. Right. But he wanted to expand, go to Vegas, as a lot of people did, the commandos, the, the Reno scum, you know. There was so many people that would drive in for Sean Ricker hit me up after I started using Brian Cage. Eli Drake, L.A. Knight, all those names, you know, and he was one of our first stars that we looked at and we're like, this motherfucker is going somewhere. <laughs> you know, Brian Cage, yeah. we knew the motherfuckers are going somewhere. Reno Scum were the best tag team around and we had them. And, you know, we were running shows at the Silver Nugget that probably cost a thousand dollars and look at the talent that was on there. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure, we'd have to pay a Superfly Snooker or, or a Godfather to show up. But my theory was we're going to bring these guys in to lure in WWF fans or WWE fans in 2009. Who knows what the fuck it was? But they're going to go out and they're going to see Brandon Gatson versus Brian Cage and be like, wow, who the fuck are these guys? I've never seen them before. And the yeah. Reno Scum and Kenny King. Oh, yeah, Ring of Honor. They, they weren't huge in 2009. They were known. But Kenny was kind of a newer guy in Ring of Honor. You know, right. they, they, they were focusing on the Danielsons and the Punks and the Aries at that point. So Kenny was kind of an undercard talent. So it wasn't like, oh, shit, we got Kenny King on the show. You know what I mean? It, but when we got people to the show, my theory was always, if I can get you in, I can keep you. Right. And, you know, in a lot of those cases, hey, $10 tickets. Hey, we'd give away more free tickets because we wanted you to come to the show and see what it was because there was always a mentality of what independent wrestling was. 
Boy. Oh, it's a bunch of backyard fucking kids, fucking bunch of jack-offs, fucking around, doing stupid shit. Not understanding that guys that you see in WWF or WCW before that had to come from somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. when you're plucking a crew from Arizona that included at the time a Gallo and a Derek Nykirk who was in WWE developmental ECW for years and Mike yeah. Knox and Navajo yeah. warrior. And then you go to California and you get the Rickers and the Brian cages and you'd go up North and you get the Reno scum and, and, and things like that mixed in because in 2009, there wasn't really a local thing going on. The only right. guy who was kind of really wrestling consistently was funny bone. And that's why Funny Bone's so tight with those NorCal guys, because that's yep. where he wrestled, because he couldn't wrestle in Vegas. There was yeah. no show, period, in Vegas. So yeah. Funny Bone became, you know, real tight with that whole Hood Slam crew and Mike Rain. And to this day, it's like he's like their adopted brother. You know, he yeah. he's, he's a NorCal guy, and he just lives yeah. in Vegas. You know what I mean? And it's like, we help bridge that gap. And then because of being a successful company in Vegas, well, people wanted to come to Vegas. Oh, Vegas is cool. So they get to wrestle, you know, Joe gets them a hotel. They might be working for cheap, but they got a free hotel yeah. and they'll stay a couple days and hang out in Vegas. Cause that's what they wanted to do. You know, speaking of, and you kind of mentioned uh, Ed, uh, you know, doing the, Future uh, stars of women wrestling. No, uh, no, that one's different. His is oh. uh, Ed in San Antonio presents. MK oh, no. is the guy we do the uh, the, 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 the future stars of women's wrestling. Yeah, sorry about that. I got that confused. Um, there is going to be the uh, I believe it's the UWW, um, the all female wrestling show that's going to be happening the week before. Uh, the AEW week. So in that case, it seems like there will be a number of women who possibly might be on that show and then staying for, you know, a few days, uh, you know, to basically what, what, what's that show called? I never heard of it. It's going to be, Oh boy. Um, I think they're running under the UWW. Uh-huh. And so who's on the show. Is there any names that we know of, or uh, you might know of uh, uh, a, a she's she's a very uh, well known in Vegas, uh, Maserati. So, yeah, I, I don't know who that is. Okay, all right, uh, Bugatti, the other half of Bugatti. Oh, Lamborghini, Lamborghini. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, there it's it's a new it's a new show. Um, they're slowly revealing the um, the dates and what's going to happen. Yeah, the UWW is going to be their first event Saturday, May twenty first, and uh, stay tuned for the casino announcement. So it looks like they are going to be working with. Uh, one of the casinos, uh, Jenny Santana will be the, I believe Jenny's going to be the GM. Uh, oh, okay. I know who they are. Okay. okay yeah. We're, we're talking with them. Yes. Okay. 
I kind of figured you would. Oh, that's be. right. Yeah, May twenty first. They needed the ring. I don't know where it's going yet. They haven't told me. But um, yeah, but a they're, lot renting, of, they're renting the ring. Yes. A lot I had of a great, Yeah, a lot of great talent though. Um, Christina Van Erie, uh, the Renegade Twins. Uh, you know, just just a really nice amount of talent that's going to be coming into town. So it's just interesting that they're running the twenty first. And then just a few days later, the AEW week kind of starts. Um, does that give you guys a little bit of advantage when you're looking at doing something like a woman's show during that uh, AEW week because of the possibility that, um, you know, a lot of women will be in town? Or does that also kind of, in, in a sense, hurt you potentially if you decide to run a women's show because a women's show just ran, uh, you know, a few days before. Well, as we all know, you know, if you run a show in the woods and nobody hears it, was there really a show? You know, we have a fan base. Yeah. And we did a women's show SummerSlam weekend that I thought was very good. We didn't yeah. have the hugest turnout whatsoever, and we had one of the best matches of the year, Maserati and Sandra Moon in a uh, TLC match that was fantastic. And because of it being SummerSlam weekend, uh, we got the opportunity to have Vert Vixen, who I think is tremendous. Yeah. And but she had come in from Houston, and you know she was already in town, so somebody who I probably wouldn't be able to use because of the flight and the cost, not have any name value. Jocelyn Navarro, who loves coming in from OVW. You know, a lot of these girls became very friendly with Maserati when she had her stint there. So they look at it as they'll come in for a weekend. They have a place to stay. Maybe they do a show in Vegas. Uh, Maybe they go to California, Arizona, and they can make it a whole, you know, weekend and, and do some different things. So, the thing is, that's great. You know, he's doing he's doing the show. Uh, initially, we had talked about doing it at the FSW Arena. You know, I found out recently that they chose not to because I'm like, oh, you guys don't need the r- arena. And they're like, no, uh, we're just going to rent the ring. And I'm like, well, you know, if you want proper pricing. I need to know when and where, you know, in certain places. You know, if I'm going to a ballroom in Caesars and have to go up the fucking freight elevators and shit, it's a lot different than going in a side door, putting the ring down and leaving. You you know what I mean? I've learned that over the years. Initially, it's like, okay, it's going to be this. And then it's like, holy shit, this thing fucking like for Booker T, man, it was in the MGM ballrooms, which is nowhere near the MGM. It's all the way to the other side on whatever that is, Coval or whatever it is. Yeah. And then there's these giant freight elevators that aren't big enough. So you can only put in like three or four pieces of wood because you got to put them this way. Okay. And now it's take. And then once you get off the elevator, you got to walk a thousand feet to put it in the ballroom. So it's like, an hour setup takes three to four hours. Well, that's time consuming. So, you know, the key is, you know, knowing what they're doing, you know, I guess this guy runs shows all over the country. And so he wants to do one in Vegas and I guess see how it works. 
And does that that potential of, um, you know, just because of the fact that you're very uh, well known for being able to have people come in, rent out the ring, um, is that one of the keys to basically growing the relationships with other promoters or, or companies um, just off of something as simple as being able to rent them the equipment they need to do a show here. Has that been one of the biggest factors that opens up the doors for you to, you know, potentially work with uh, people in the future? A hundred percent, because if they're coming to you, we've made a ready-made TV studio wrestling venue. And, you know, you take out the guardrails, you can do 250, 275, you know, jam-packed in there, which we've done on a few occasions. Right. Most of these companies that come in are going to do nowhere near that number. So you want to go to the MySpace thing where uh, GCW ran, for example, was we were looking for a venue. You know, they wanted like six fucking grand and you got nothing back because they didn't have their own bartenders. They had to bring them in. And I had to pay $500 to set up their bar. So even if they rang up $5,000, I didn't get nothing taken off because the venue didn't receive the money. Then I'm not allowed to bring in my own sound equipment. I have to hire somebody to use their shitty fucking sound system. Cause I was at GCW and I thought it was the, the venues microphone and shit. And it sucked. Yeah. Like, so I can't use my own microphones. I got to use yours that you're going to charge me a thousand dollars. Yet I have my own. So you right. can go to that venue that has no lighting whatsoever. Right. Nice place. If you need a spot, you yeah. know, the yep. silver nuggets a thousand times better. But you still got to pay for the room. You got the lights. There's not really a locker area. There's not a big screen, you know, in view of the. Everybody has their little things about it that may not work. You know, Samstown was the perfect venue. They had great locker rooms. They had showers in them. They had a huge backstage area. They had a huge area, the best lighting system, 4K cameras hanging from the ceiling. You know what I mean? It was like. But you had you paid what you got for it. The thing right. is, with the deal we got, we were getting it for half the price as these fucking shit venues are asking. You know, there's right. a place by the Orleans. I forgot. It's like, you know, it, it looks like a warehouse area where they they dock the trucks to to unload. And there was like it's a warehouse, and then they have an area to where you could do shows and they have lights and things like that. But it's like, they don't sell liquor again. They don't have anything. And they have a flat fee. That was more money than, than Samstown was. There's no (laughs) locker area. The locker area is putting up a a pipe and drape by the warehouse. And then they're going to want five, seven, $8,000. Well, we might not have the best locker room area, but we have a, a, a production office that you can live stream. We got the green screens. We got the screens for you to, to do videos and production and all the other shit you need to do. Then we got a great 18-foot ring. 
We can put in yeah. a smaller ring, 16-footer, if you want to try to squeeze more people in. But there's nobody who's been in there other than us in GCW that have filled it to capacity. Right. You know, and we've rented the ring out and the venue together numerous times. Yeah. So, you know, it's it, people think they're just going to walk in, come to Vegas, and people are going to show up to this show that the only advertising they did was on Facebook and Twitter. You know right. what I mean? So it, it it's not easy. You know, it took us time to really build a fan base. You know, we did well from the beginning, but we fucking hustled. I fucking hustled. I put shit on fucking telephone poles. I put the shit on the giant other poles. I would make a poster that was 11 by 17, and I would cut it to make it four ways because if you're on the road looking at that giant metal pole that goes everywhere, you ain't going to see an 11 by 17. You got to make it big enough to where it's even feasible for you to look at. And and back in the day, you had to go on radio. We, we, we did ads on the television on raw and SmackDown and, and everything. And it's changed a lot. You know, it's a lot more social media, Facebook ads, you know, we're fortunate that we've built up enough that we have the FSW fan page and we have the open fan page and the future stars of wrestling page. There's thousands of people on that. So these are people who've come to shows in most cases, especially on the fan pages. And everybody now who pays generally is going to send their money in through PayPal or cash app or Venmo, which gives us access to their email addresses. So they may never know when the show is except that they happen to hear about it. How luck of the draw, but now, I could send out and I got a list. I copy and I paste and there's 200 names and you do that a few times and you send out five, 600 emails of people who've actually purchased tickets. Now it makes those people aware that you have a show. We put the flyer up on there. Hey, this is the Mecca. We got this guy, that guy, the other guy. And you know, it's, it's a little easier to generate, but if you're a company out of Texas, Florida, Arizona, California, that's the problem like we have if we go there. Well, our database, if we're in Texas, even with Booker T, you know, they had some, you know, they papered the room. They got people there. They offered tickets, but it was their way to get the foot in the door because if they just did sole tickets, there'd literally be nobody there Yeah, because they don't have that fan base there. Right. The one company that we see does is GCW that I saw the pictures from L.A. And it's like, holy fuck, nobody does that in L.A. Only GCW and occasionally PWG. That's it. Yeah. And 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 PCW did a little bit, too. Yeah. Where but they and they loaded up the card with national names. GCW has basically their names and then they'll use a Ricky Morton, a two cold Scorpio and X-Pac, but they've made household names out of Effie and Joey Janela and Nick Gage and yeah. Allie catch and, you know, AJ gray, you know, now those guys are getting love elsewhere. I see AJ gray, whether it's uh, West coast pro or one of those, you know, uh, star boy, Charlie, 
yeah. you know, because he's out of California. But AJ Gray's not, and he's their champion out there. So yeah. that GCW rub, the the second gear crew, you know, it's a funny story. Matt Justice, a few years back, he lived in, uh, I believe, Cleveland. And the dude comes in, never heard of him. I have no idea who he is. And he moved to Vegas. And we talked a little bit about some stuff. And he might have rolled around and trained once or twice. GCW, he wasn't even a part of at that time. And then it was like, oh, shit, I know this fucking dude. And it was like, it was the same guy. He had moved back. He got in with GCW. And motherfucker blew up. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's like, that second gear crew is, is you know, one of the most over factions they have. And... Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Um, you know, when you think of um, the potential opportunities, like you said, working with uh, Booker T, for example, um, out there, they got one of my favorite uh, factions going on right now, and that's uh, Culture Inc. And, of course, you have Lights, Camera, Faction, Action, Faction. Um would it, does it make sense when you look at the matchup in terms of when you're looking at matching up with a company that's something where if you know those guys wanted that match that would make sense because it's a representative faction from your company and a representative faction from their company um how do you go about looking at those types of matchups um, and then especially like having Hammerstone, um, does that automatically mean that Hammerstone would face a top person in an incoming company or would he potentially face someone, you know, that is uh, more of a draw, more of a matchup if it isn't their champion? How do you go about looking at it through those types of eyes? you kind of look at how things are going to work out the best. Can, can Hammerstone and ice Williams be on that show? Yeah. But wouldn't you rather have Hammerstone versus somebody from, you know, just say a fatal four way, the four companies represent an FSW belt. Uh, there's a matchup for the other team's tag team match. You know, right. in reality, the appeal to me is Hammerstone wrestling one of Booker T's main guys. Right. You know what I mean? And on an eight-match show, there's a lot of guys who are, you know, in our top five, in our top ten, that if it doesn't work out, they're not going to be on the show. You, you know what I mean? It, it, you just can't do it. Now so, – So question is then on that thinking, just out of curiosity uh, – does that then make you think, okay, then you're looking at maybe a Survivor Series style tag team or a gauntlet or a battle royal, something that expands and also puts, you know, FSW versus this company or that. Right, company. right. Yeah. If you're doing, if we're doing four teams, for example, if, if four companies are going to represent, you almost have to do a survival of the fittest type thing. Four, 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 four. Because yeah. of time, it's probably not feasible to do uh, four, four ways to where everybody's eliminated because that's like 15 right. motherfuckers. You know, that'll be the whole show. You, you know what I mean? But 
there's definitely the ideas to to do that you know team you know the, the reality of wrestling team the fsw team this you know whatever companies that you are but now you also have to understand the politicalness of yeah. of everything you know obviously they want to win we want to win and me as the host promoter has to make sure that I'm giving instead right. of, well, this is my town. I got to have everybody win. You know, right. It was kind of like we did FSW versus GCW. Till the last day I talked to Brett, which was probably eh, a couple weeks before the show, for example, I went in there with the entire thought that it was FSW versus GCW. We split all the costs we split the gate. We split the pay-per-view. We split, 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 split. We, we, we dis- the only thing that we did together was the ideas of the show, which were my ideas. Like, hey, this is what I think. And his response is, okay, yeah, that's cool. And it really was an FSW show that right. had GCW's involvement. They used their name. But they had nothing to do with it in terms of, you know, they put it out there. Hey, we're going to be in Vegas, FSW versus GCW. They're worried about promoting their own show. Right. Like at the end of the day, the day of the show, the day ended. Okay. And I'm thinking, okay, well, let me figure out the numbers. And he was talking about paying the guys. And I'm thinking like, well, you pay your guys, I pay my guys, or we split it. We need to know all the numbers. And then he was like, no, you just take care of them. And he gave me the list and the, and I had to go around getting the, you know, the emails and stuff like that. And it was just like, I handled the gate. I handled everything. And they, they just came along for the ride. And it was kind of like, Hey, I got this idea, you know, for a match, obviously Sandra moon and alley catch. And uh, I had brought up Cody wanting Nick Gage, and he said, you know, Nick's banged up a bit. You know, he'll work it, but kind of would rather do something a little lighter, you know, do a tag match. So that was the idea. Jacob Austin Young had wanted no part of Nick Gage and AJ Gray. So, <laughs> who was the wait, perfect wait, fit? Joe, 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 that match was fucking brutal. <laughs> that was a I'll take it easy match for Nick Gage. <laughs> yes. Okay. He wanted to take it easy. So we ended wow. up, I put funny bone in there. I figured, you know, between the history of Cody and funny bone and the desire to do that stuff, he'd be the perfect fit. Brett was like, okay, cool. Then it was, you know, a team FSW team GCW match. And that was to get the graves and the Toas and kind of work the angle with Toa and Juicy where the finish of FSW losing was fine because Toa turned on FSW and aligned with GCW. And it got Jimmy Lloyd and a few, and it got all the mainstay guys, you know, on the show and uh, needed a spot for Remy. So Brett probably recommended Atticus Coger and now the, the card's starting to fill out, you know, guys you want to get on the show, the, the Jacob Austin Youngs, the Greg Sharps, 
So they got to be on the show in that yeah. four on four match. You know what I mean? And then we did a scramble match and, you know, we fit all the guys that we wanted to. And as I've said on numerous occasions here, you know, I was recommending Jay Vidal to work Effie. You know, they talked, he did the gay brunch, all this other stuff. It was the match that Jay Vidal really wanted. And Disco Inferno, we had set to do a lava lounge with Ricky Morton, leading to Ricky Morton laying out Disco. Yeah. And it turned out Ricky Morton was not available. He did the GCW show Friday night, and he was heading to North Carolina for a show. So Brett from GCW is fan of Disco. He liked Disco. He gets the heat, whatever. He's like, yeah, you know, Effie and Jay Vidal, they'll probably do something down the line and everything, but what about Disco? And I'm like, Disco and Effie? He goes, yeah, you know, that'd be good. I, I put together seven of the matches. I'm not going to let him put together the one that he wants to do. So right. we make the announcement. Twitter goes fucking berserk. And it's like, I can't believe it. You know, the, all the anti-remarks about Disco and this and that and the other thing. And then the other people are like, who's Effie? To wrestle disco, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it generated so much heat. And then Effie kind of plowed in, like, fuck am I doing wrestling this fucking banana? You know what I mean? So it went back and forth. And we were looking at the retweets and the thing. That got more traction than any match on the show. Yeah. Which made Brett extremely intelligent. That's why he thought of disco versus Effie instead of me because he knows his fan base and he knows that you know disco's like that guy same thing with Matt Cardona he knew putting him yeah. in that spot people would go crazy about it because they're passionate and we came out did the match disco comes out he cuts the promo people are ooing and on he's bashing the GCW fans and the light tubes and all the other shit Effie comes out to heroes welcome he fucking buries Disco on the mic. They have the mic. The right person goes over in Effie, of course. And the crowd loves it. And all I remember is the response afterwards was from Disco. And Disco, I'm like, yeah, everything good. He's like, yeah, I can't believe how good that guy's promo was. And, you know, and I remember somebody else telling me they were talking to Effie. And, yeah, he's like, yeah, I have no idea why they put this match together, blah, blah, blah. All along thinking I'm the one who did it and not his fucking boss. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then the match goes good. And of course, now he knows Brett did it. And <laughs> if the match went bad, it would have been, oh, no, no, Joe put that. Well, I, I, don't, I don't think until recently. I think he talked to Jay Vidal and he, and, and wow. he didn't even know. Because I wow. had to tell Jay Vidal that Brett was the one who pushed for it. Because right. now everybody's thinking, you know, Jay Vidal's upset. He wants that match. Like, I'm putting Disco with it. And then, of course, the fucking know-it-alls in the back. Like, oh, oh, I can't believe it. Joe put fucking Disco with Effie. Fucking guy. You know what I mean? And it's like yeah. so many people have, like, minute knowledge of things and have no knowledge of it. Yet they all have. Their, and it's great to be opinionated. But fucking, like get some information before right. you burst out your fucking opinion of knowing everything when you don't know Dick. 
you know, speaking of uh, getting stuff out there, let's talk a little bit as we wrap up here about Future Shock, which is this Saturday, March 5th at 5 p.m. What can we expect? I don't even know why we're calling it Future Shock. We got Funny Bone. We got Jay Vidal. We got Jordan Cruz. The only reason it Future Shock just costs less money. So I should have just called it a high octane. I could have charged a higher price for these guys. <laughs> so you're getting a good bargain, $20 front row, 15 for GA. You're going to get to see some new blood, as you heard. You know, Jenny Santana, who you mentioned, she's yep. going to make her, her real first professional wrestling match debut in, yep. a, in a regular match. Uh, one of our other students, Donald, I don't even know. I doubt that's his ring name, Donald. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, he's going to be there, uh, Kid Isaac. Uh, we got yeah. a guy just got, when we talk about new talent initiative uh, from B-Boys Company, Michael Hopkins, uh, who's very, very good. He hit me up. And I'm like, hey, Jordan Cruz is coming down. You want to hop in a car with him? Uh, we got, you know, three of the young bloods from uh, from Dom's PCW, the, uh, the their facility. Uh, John Wolfgang, who's wrestled recently for us. Uh, Devin Reno, who hopefully I can convince him to change his name. And uh, there's another guy named uh, Blair Brody uh, who came along with them. And I think he appeared on the Best of the West show at the FSW Arena. But he was there. And they're all going to be involved. And, you know, uh, Nick Xander, Ricky Gomez, and Wolfgang are going to be in a three-way match. Uh, that should be uh, solid. Uh, we're figuring out still at this point, you know, Jay Vidal is going to defend the No Limits title. Uh, Funny Bone hit me up and he was available and wanted to work. So it's like, okay, uh, let me just figure out who you're going to work. You know, and then and again, the, the usual suspects, you know, Brett the Threat will be there, the younger guys that were trying to get involved in, in the show. And see where we go from that. You know, it's a good way. We're going to try to start doing it the first Saturday of every month for a while and see where we run uh, next, next April. Well, not next April, but coming up in April, uh, this, the first Saturday's WrestleMania. So we're not going to do it then. So we've already scheduled April 9th and we're looking to have a big show March 27th. You know, uh, right. we've set up some stuff and, you know, there's interactions with, uh, obviously, uh, Hammerstone and Ice Williams. Uh, we're set for a match with Remy Marcel and, and Gregory Sharp that is going to happen on the 27th. We also have uh, the tag titles will be on the line. TBD, yo! Uh, Shogun and Hero, they're going to challenge uh, Toko Uso on March 27th also, so... Uh, it's definitely gonna be a solid card. Hopefully after future shock, we'll know more, uh, what's going on. I heard, uh, Brett, the thread has some words for one six foot six, 300 pound Cal Jack. So I'm pretty sure he should be careful what he says. It's a little easier to talk trash to the 14 year old kid and his mother, but yeah. you know, Brett's yeah. an easy. Brett is an equal opportunity uh, jackass. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, 
Oh my god. You know, you talk about some of the best characters, uh, and boy, he's he's developing that character wonderfully. It really does show when you put a bit of yourself into a character that you know and just elevate it, you know, because I think that's the other thing that people don't realize when you're training, you start, you know, you're you're trying to get down the logistics, you're trying to learn the moves, you're trying to do, you know, match planning, you're learning all this stuff. And character kind of gets lost a lot of times. But it was guys like Brett who find that character and just kind of come in with it and then can adapt the wrestling style quickly. It's just amazing to me that here's a guy who's been at it just a year. Now he's getting an opportunity. He'll be going up to OVW very soon to, uh, to wrestle. You know, it's, it's a funny thing that you look in life and society and you see things that happen. Wrestling is the one business where being a fucking douchebag asshole can actually help you yeah. get further in the business. Yeah. You know, because being such an antagonist and being such an asshole, people will pay money to see you get your yeah. ass kicked. You know, Floyd, Floyd Mayweather made a killing in boxing because people fucking hated him. You know, there's the people who love Conor McGregor, but as time progressed, people wanted yeah. to see Conor McGregor get his ass whooped. And fortunately for a lot of people, they get to see it all the time now. And, you know, which is smart from Brett the Threat to kind of distance himself. When he first came in, he was trying to be like the Conor McGregor of uh, right. pro wrestling. And I, I actually had to compliment him the last time I saw him, which I didn't notice it before. But Brett was always an MMA guy. Right. And he trained as an MMA guy. He decided to get into pro wrestling. But body type-wise, he was an MMA guy. And I saw him the last time, and his arms were fucking huge. And it's like, I see you're finally giving up the thoughts of MMA and throwing all the eggs in the basket of pro wrestling because he's adjusted his body type to yep. be a pro wrestler and not be an MMA guy who's wrestling, which it's, it's, is a very smart move on his part. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, you, you say that um, at Sin's wedding, he was in the proximity of Dexter Loomis, okay? And I looked, and um, as he's walking this way, it's, Brett, man, you could take Loomis right now. And it was, he's he's just, a, you know, a little taller, but... Loomis is a shorter guy, even though he looks huge on TV. He's built, he's he's bulked, but the way Brett has changed his body, you start going, boy, I actually would pay money to see those two guys go at it. And it's just from a physicality of seeing two people right there, not even thinking of character or wrestling ability, just two body types that would make an amazing match. And it's so um, encouraging to see the guys like uh, Brett, Damian Drake. I mean, look at how much he's changed his physique in the past two years. 
And I think he realizes if he's going to get to that next level, he has to put on a little more muscle mass. So you read as a pro, as a pro wrestler, as opposed to, you know, guys thinking, well, you know, he does flippy shit, that type of mentality. And it's amazing to see the guys doing this. Jay Vial, Jesus, that guy's got a body that, you know, just you would have never thought that two years ago that he would be that much dedicated to his physique and it's it's awesome and i think you got really good guys around them for the inspiration because if you look at hammerstone and you go okay that's the heavyweight champion i have to be at least realistically able to convince the audience i can beat that guy and I think that's, you know, one of the coolest things when you put together Cage and the Hammerstone now, because those two guys, they look at and they perform at the top level. And it's beautiful to watch when that happens. So, yeah, kudos for Brett uh, taking the initiative. Um, and uh, again, Future Shock, everyone, is also, if you can't make it down to the arena, if you get the network, the FSW network, it is $6.99 a month. And you get Future Shock, you get the high octanes, that's all included. You get to see, you know, original material, original shows, as well as uh, the history of FSW with a lot of the um, the matches and, and the, uh, the shows available on the network itself. Uh, Joe, any words, uh, final thoughts for the uh, listeners as we uh, say goodbye for this week? You know, if you're if you're a wrestling fan, there's there, there's so much to look forward to in, in the coming months. You know, we got a super weekend in May, and then we're also looking at a super weekend when WWE comes to town, right. and that's going to be in July, which I believe is Fourth of July weekend. It's July second is the actual date. The uh, tickets, I believe, went on sale. Did they? Because I knew they were deciding if it was going to be a Saturday or Sunday. What did they end up deciding? So July 2nd is, as we look at the uh, nature here, it's the Saturday. Of course it is. Then I was hoping it was the Sunday, which gave us the Friday, Saturday. Because when our good friends come to town, they usually come when those bigger shows are around and you know we kind of have no interest in working against them so when they come in and pick their time we have we have to adjust so we'll have to figure that part out because i guess sunday is also a possibility to run but you know we'll figure it out it is fourth of july weekend so there should be a lot going on Right. And for anyone listening, if you don't know, uh, Money in the Bank tickets go on sale. Pre-sale, pre-sale is Wednesday, March 16th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, the code is MITB. And then on sale date is Thursday, March 17th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. So if you're planning, uh, if you live in Vegas or if you're planning to come into Vegas for that, uh, there you go. There's your ticket information. Just uh, associate it with uh, St. Patrick's Day. And uh, remember uh, to have a beer and uh, get your tickets. So I'll tell you what, you know, 
it'll be interesting to see because when they that when they're at T-Mobile, they generally don't sell out an 18,000 seat arena. So I'm not understanding why they're going to go to a 60 65,000 seat arena. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. You know, if you were yeah. selling out, I get it. If it was WrestleMania, I get it. SummerSlam, which is one of the big four and probably, you know, number three, didn't near nowhere near sold out. Yep. You know what I mean? And that was SummerSlam. And I think they may have did, they may have did 40 in attendance, but, you know, how many, how many tickets did they give away to get to 40? Like money in the bank traditionally isn't one of their big pay-per-views. So no, what's interesting about it though. And I think this is kind of the mentality going forward. And that is the company itself is generating such a high um, revenue stream. The, the biggest, you know, that they've been doing in the history of the company so I think what they're trying to do is basically um, build that relationship with Allegiant because I would assume WrestleMania eventually will be in Allegiant Stadium. But it also, I think it's good for them where they can kind of take that hit, where they can, uh, you know, make sure there's 40,000, 50,000 in there, but not necessarily generate the ticket revenue fully, you know, the revenue fully from tickets so um exposure i guess i mean that's the only thing i could i would have to believe allegiant stadium costs more to rent than t-mobile sure so there's more and now you're going to have more people there even if you make a profit it's going to be less of a profit so yeah. as i said you know I don't want to look at a stadium and see half empty. Right. I'd rather see a full stadium than a half empty stadium. So the full stadium at 18,000 looks way better than the half empty stadium that had 35,000 people in it. Yeah. You know, that's just my thinking, but. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's interesting because I think. There were those of us who, as soon as the announcement was made, just went money in the bank. Really? Okay. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see, um, especially coming off of Double or Nothing, because of the fact that, you know, there's this uh, pressure put on to basically try to make that a war between both companies. And Interestingly enough, Double or no, Nothing is running T-Mobile. So, I mean, that might also... Right, and they, have, and they have a better chance of selling that out. Right, exactly. And I think that might figure in to where uh, it's like, yeah, we're going to start running the big stadium uh, and let them run the small stadium, you know. So it's it's interesting to see what's going on, but right. But look at Monday and Wednesday. I mean Wednesday and Friday show. They're running yeah. it at the Mandalay, Mandalay Bay. Now that one seats far less right. yeah, than the T Mobile. Yeah, was it seat five? I thought it was like more like eight or nine, but I don't. It know. might it might be eight. It was somewhere in that range. I saw the the number but yesterday. Again, if it's 
cut off the top area and just say it is eight. Well, you cut off the top area. Now you're at 5,500. Well, when you yeah. sell 5,000 seats, it's packed because they're going to cover that back at the, that top area. You know, you could, you could, you could cut off the top area at Allegiant, but you're not going to because people won't buy the expensive tickets. They want to sit in the nosebleeds because they can afford that 40 or $50 ticket instead of that $400 ticket. Yeah. You know, at Allegiant, there's no way they're just going to cut out that last row. You yeah. know what I mean? The, the, that last section up there, which is high up. And the only way to really watch it is by looking at the big screen because you're going to see yeah. a bunch of ants in the ranks. Yeah. Very cool time coming up here in the future, uh, the next couple of months for uh, pro wrestling here in Las Vegas. Um, Joe, thanks again for uh, joining me this uh this episode and um you know future shock again it's going to be saturday uh march 5th special five time five o'clock special time <laughs> well it's because you're using all the young kids right and they you know, press their bedtime at nine yes <laughs> oh man no actually yeah. it's because ufc is running Right. And I know in the past people are like, oh man, you know, why are you running against UFC? Blah, 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 blah. But of course, you know, they're still complaining. Well, you know, they have their pre show that starts at six, and it's like, gives a shit. You know, tape it then. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like our show will be over by seven. Yeah. You know, you're not going to miss the main card that starts at eight. Yeah. So, you know, so we'll see how it goes. You know, the earlier start ain't too bad. You know, it's it's nice out. You know, yeah. people are now, they can go out to eat at 7.30. You know, when you run a 7 o'clock show, most people aren't going out to eat at 4. So right. if, you, if you go out to eat at 6, you can't make it. So at 7, the show's over by 9.30. You bullshit. It's already 10 o'clock. Now you've limited your places. Now you can go get a nice dinner reservation at 7.30, 8 o'clock, 8.30. And, you know, enjoy the rest of your evening. Yeah. And check out some uh, some of the younger talent, you know, that we're going to focus on. And there you go, everyone. If you are in the area and uh, you can come down and see the uh, 5 o'clock show, uh, it's going to be a pretty fun card and uh, exciting to see some of the new people on as well. So definitely catch it. And, if again, if you can't make it down to the arena, FSW Network is $6.99 a month. And uh, you can see Future Shock. Uh, just sign up right now. Sign up on the day of. You'll still see the uh, the Future Shock uh, streaming live. So uh, for everyone here at Vegas Bad Boys Podcasting, thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll see you guys next week. Yeah.